Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. The UFC is live from the Apex one more time before they head out to Fight Island, and the main event this weekend will be Marvin Vittori versus Paulo Costa in what is proving to be a weird, well, it's scheduled for middleweight, but it might wind up not being at middleweight fight. Uh, and you know what? It, if maybe it has title implications, maybe it doesn't. There's a whole lot to unpack there. But of course, we won't be unpacking that fight or any of the other fights on the main card. Not on this show. This show is all about the prelims. Now, for those of you who might be new to the show and asking yourselves, why dig this deep into the prelims? Why only care about the prelims? The answer is very simple. The answer is, we know you guys have a place where you probably go to break down that main card. And you probably know a ton of the names already. You know you know who Paul Costa is. You know who Dwight Grant is. You know who you know Grant Dawson is. But you probably don't know a lot of the names on these prelims, and that's where we're here to help you break these down, because there's lots of money to be won, whether you're gambling, playing daily fantasy sports, winning pick'em contests, if you know a ton about the prelims. Now, before we get to actually breaking down these fights, I do have to mention that this episode is brought to you by the All-Star app. These days, there's more previews, recaps, analysis, and podcasts than you can shake a stick at. All too much, and if you're looking to get the insight that gets you the edge, it can be hard to block out the noise and what really matters. And that's why you should download the All Star app because they provide you with expert commentary from some of the most respected names in the sports world, including yours truly. And all of the incredible content is packaged in an intuitive, fully interactive app right in the palm of your hands, totally free. There's lots of other great features to the All-Star app. I'll tell you about a little bit later on. But for right now, you can go to the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store or the App Store or by visiting the theallstar.io, get that app downloaded. Now, helping me break down these fights today is a frequent guest of the show. You might know him from the Fixed Fights podcast with Kurt and Ben. I, of course, am talking about Kurt Chase Patrick. Kurt, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, dude. Always a pleasure. I love doing the show with you. hope we keep the ball rolling with it. All right, and as you all know, we start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jung Young Park versus Gregory Rodriguez. So Park lost his debut to Anthony Fluffy Hernandez, but since then, he's won three in a row, including beating Tafon Chukwi back in May by decision. Rodriguez, meanwhile, made his UFC debut in emphatic fashion, beating up Dushko Todorovic. He won that by decision. That was in June. Uh, now, my question for you here is about the Iron Turtle, Jung Young Park. Last time against Chukwi, he busted out all kinds of trips. He looked phenomenal doing it. How much of that do you think is him and his great takedown ability? And how much was Tafon Chukwi, let, let's be honest, fighting a little stupid? I think I think it's a little bit mixture of both. I think Park is very well-rounded, although I do like his uh, strike a little bit better than his grappling. I think he was kind of able to uh, style on Chukwi a little bit. Uh, going against Gregory Rodriguez, I don't think that's going to be the plan of attack for him because I think Rodriguez is just straight up a better grappler, better in the clinch, a little bit stronger in those areas. So um, I don't expect them to kind of like implement that sort of game plan in, in this fight. Yeah, it's going to be interesting too because I think you're right where Gregory Rodriguez might be more dangerous in those situations on the ground, right? Like you said, he's stronger. He's definitely bigger. I, I When I was researching this fight, I didn't realize how much bigger Gregory Rodriguez is going to be in terms of height and reach and stuff like that. But I'll also say Gregory Rodriguez seems more dangerous with the fists too, right? Like, doesn't he seem like he's probably more of a KO threat than Jung Young Park? Maybe not 
maybe not a, a threat to win that fight by decision in that way, but he seems like a bigger KO threat. Am I wrong in, in assuming that as well? No, I don't think so, man. He's built like a, a brick shit house. Um, yeah, I think he's probably got more KO power, but I, I think Park is a little bit more crisp on the feet. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting stylistic matchup, right? Because I do think Park is probably going to get the better of some exchanges. And like you said, I think he will be in danger of getting rocked. But, uh, you know, if, if Rodriguez does get into the clinch and get it to the mat, I mean, this fight can really, I think, change in a heartbeat. Yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see because, like you said, it, intention, I think, will drive this fight entirely, right? Like, does Gregory Rodriguez like that he's hitting him on the feet? And does he stay there a little too long? Does he get a little bit tired? Because, like you said, he is built like a house. You know, does the Iron Turtle j- just, you know, force himself into that, that clinch too often? Man, it's really going to depend, like I said, on intention. But uh, we've unfortunately come to the end of the time for this fight. Who do you got in it and how do you got him? I really do think this is one of the better fights uh, on this card and of the weekend. I'm going with uh, Jung Young Park. I do think he's going to have to weather the storm a little bit. But in the later rounds, I think his cardio is going to hold up better. I think he's going to be able to piece him up on the feet. And I'm going to take him by decision. I'm going to agree with you entirely. You know, I, I do think the danger is there, but I I really have been high on him in those last three fights. The Chukwe takedowns, well, yeah, they were Chukwe stupidly stepping into that <laughs> clinch every single time. But he's finishing he's finishing that takedown at the end of the day. So, I, yeah, I've got a lot of love for him right now, and I think you're right. I, I think he takes him into deep waters. I don't think he gets the finish, but I think those late rounds belong to him. And that brings us to our next fight, which is Tabitha Ricci versus Maria Oliveira. So Tabitha Ricci took her first fight on short notice, up a weight class against Manon Firo. Um, Obviously, that didn't go her way. That fight was in June. She lost by TKO. Maria Oliveira making her debut in the UFC. She's 12-4. She lost on the Contender Series, but the loss was to Marina Rodriguez. So certainly no shame in that. Since then, she's won two in a row and gotten a contract of her own. Obviously, both those fights that we're talking about, the one on Contender Series for Oliveira, the debut for Ricci... They're, they're big asks for somebody making a debut. Which one of those two in those fights did you see more promise from? I mean, Manon Firo is, dude, she is such a beast. Obviously, <laughs> we saw so her good. again <laughs> this weekend. So, again, like, Ricci didn't do, you know, give you much in that fight. But I will say the loss to Rodriguez by Oliveira on the Contender Series was kind of alarming because she kind of got tired, she got beat up, and then kind of said no mas. So while... I mean, Ricci went out there and got smoked. I'm actually a lot higher on Ricci overall than Oliveira. I just think she's a, I think she's a better grappler. I think she's got better cardio. I mean, Oliveira does have some solid striking, but I feel like if, if Ricci can push the pace on her, get her into the clinch, she's got good pressure, good trips, I think this is going to be a really tough fight for Oliveira. Yeah, and I think that's something that people don't know too much about Ricci either, and, and it's a really good piece of information to have. She's not just a jiu-jitsu black belt, she's a judo black belt. So when she is in that clinch, the takedown game for her there is very diverse. Um, you can see her just as often with a double leg or running the pipe as you can with an Uchimata, which is uh, you know, probably not as practical in the MMA world, but it's nice to know that she has that kind of stuff too. The interesting thing for me is, you're right, Maria Oliveira, you know, probably a much better striker here than Tabitha Ricci, but it's going to be, can she survive the grappling? Can she survive the clinch game? And can she make her length work for her? Because she is a much longer fighter than Tabitha Ricci, who's only five foot one here, which again is part of the problem with putting her in there with Manal Firo, who <laughs> fights like she's, she fights like she's six six for Christ's sake. So, um, yeah, I, I think that this is a, another really weird stylistic one. 
Um, but one that, that should be really interesting wherever it takes place. Who you got in this one and how you got him? I think Ricci is going to be able to get her down kind of where oh, I'm going to go with Ricci by late um, rear naked choke victory, maybe end second, early third. I think it will be fun in, in spurts. I think Oliveira will have some, some success on the feet, but I like Ricci's grappling in this one. Yeah, and I'm actually – I'm going to go with the dog here. I, I'm going to go with Maria Oliveira. While I do really like Tabitha Ricci, I do think she's got a lot of promise. I am just like a little bit worried about her ability – to deal with the striking of somebody who is five inches taller. And I think I saw she has a seven inch reach advantage on her. So I'm a little bit worried about her getting in on the inside, taking too many shots. Uh, it obviously didn't go well with Manon Firo. She's not dealing with Manon Firo again, but it's enough for me to think, Hey, maybe the underdog's fun to play here. So I'm going to go with Oliveira, and that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with round number two. All right, guys, one of my favorite features of the All-Star app, got to be the player bios. Say you're looking to do a little research on an upcoming fight between, uh, let's say, Marvin Vittori and Paulo Costa, and you click on that fight, which is really easy to find in their scores tab, and you got all that information right at your fingertips. They tell you when the fight is happening, what the opening lines are, what the current lines are, so you can see the movement, what the, the opening over-unders are and the, the closing over-unders are, so you can see the movement there as well. And it's more than just betting lines, too. They've got full records dating back to their pro debut and so much more information. you got to get it all right there in the palm of your hand, and you can do so by going to the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting theallstar.io. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Lariano Staropoli versus Jamie Pickett. Staropoli has lost three straight fights. That's right, three straight fights. He's getting another shot at it after losing to Muslim Salikov, Tim Means, and Roman Delize, that last one in June. All of those being decisions. Pickett, meanwhile, on a two-fight losing streak. He lost to Tafon Chukwi, who we've talked about earlier, and Jordan Wright. The last one of those back in May uh, was a knockout loss to Jordan Wright. Uh, I guess for me here, the question is, is if we're looking at Staropoli and what's worked really poorly for him in the past in these last three losses is that he seems to have a little bit of issue with defending the wrestling, get, getting stifled by wrestling, you know, not being able to get his offense off on the feet. Is there any chance we see Jamie Pickett try to follow that blueprint? And if not, what does this look like on the feet? I think he, he may try to follow, and I think he'd probably be smart to try to follow. I just don't think he has the wrestling chops to really put you know, Staropoli on the back foot, put him on the back. Because look, right, Staropoli is on a, a three-fight losing streak, but, I mean, he fought some studs. I think he fought the tougher slate. Uh, on the feet, I like Staropoli. I like his pace. Um, and I think he'll be able to move, pick it around a bit. Uh, so I, I'm pretty much favoring Staropoli in this fight. I think he can't – he has to be careful not to get too, too sloppy trying to go for the finish. But these fights are always fun when it's two guys on losing streaks that are probably fighting for their job. It usually ends with fireworks and someone getting finished. 100%. We're going to talk about that in the next fight too. And, and I will just echo what you say about Staropoli. I, I think he is the better fighter here. I think he's the better fighter on the feet. The, the thing my mind just keeps going back to is when Jamie Pickett finally got his his contract on the Contender Series, which, by the way, it took him three chances because he lost the first two times on the Contender Series. When he got it the third time, he beat Jonathan Potti, and he just, like, blitzed forward with his hands nowhere near his chin. Um, and, and Lariano Staropoli, you know, like you said, he's probably going to be the one advancing. But if, if Pickett were to do that to him, he's just going to starch him with a mean counter because he does have some mean counters, too. So... 
I kind of expect him to frustrate the hell out of Pickett, make him make a mistake, and and I'll take him by knockout here. Do you think he gets it done with a finish? I do, yeah. I'm going I'm going knockout as well. I'd be I'd be honestly kind of surprised if it left the first round. I think these guys are coming to throw fists. I love it. And a couple other guys who are coming to throw fists are Kama Worthy and Jai Herbert. Worthy back-to-back losses after starting 2-0. The last one of those back-to-back losses was a knockout loss to Jamie Malarkey. That was back in March. Jai Herbert, meanwhile, since coming to the UFC, is 0-2. He's got back-to-back losses to Hanato Moicano and Francisco Trinaldo. Uh, Francisco Trinaldo absolutely knocking him silly with an overhand right. <laughs> my, my question to you here is that both of these guys seem to, after having quite a bit of hype around them, around their debuts... I mean, even after his debut for Kama Worthy, are not really living up to their expectations. My question for you is, which one are you more concerned about, like, actually not being the guy we thought they were? And which one of them do you feel like maybe has just had a tough run of luck? That's, you know, that's a good question. I think, I think, I kind of think Kama Worthy is the guy that we thought he was, right? Like, he came in, he had lost, you know, I want to say like six or seven fights coming in. So I don't want to say he's a, he was a journeyman, but he kind of went on a streak to get to the UFC. We knew he has big power, right? I think there was a little bit more promise around Jai Herbert. And again, losing to uh, Trinaldo and... Um, uh, Moicano. Yeah, like That's nothing to scoff at. Um, putting it really simple, though, this is going to be another one of those fights where... Whoever's chin lasts longer is going to win. I, I don't see this one going past one because like the last fight, this these are two guys fighting for their job. Uh, they got big power, um, maybe not the best chins. So this is going to be another one of those just slugfest fights. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on this one. I, I think that this is another one of those fights where we're going to see the guys slug it out. It'll be interesting to see how that works too for me because – when I look at the way these two slug it out, while they both do slug it out, it's kind of different. That Jai Herbert really likes to, he's one of those boxers who likes to put his hand on his opponent so that he can feel distance physically, um, which which works a lot of times. You know, like you just leave the jab out there, you leave it on your opponent. But like for Kama Worthy, I feel like if you're that close to him, he's going to blast you. Yes, right? like He's yes. going to <laughs> fucking hit you. Uh, whereas Jai Herbert is going to fill you out for a little bit, and then he's going to throw the big shot. And he's going to throw a bunch of big shots when he does. But uh, I'm just a little bit worried that his feeling out process is just going to be a little bit slower than Kama Worthy's. Now, that could mean Kama Worthy walks into a, a counter, but it could also mean that Kama Worthy just starts to find his home way before Jai Herbert. So... Um, you know, I'll launch my prediction on this one first. I got Kama Worthy. I got him by knockout in either the first or the second round because it's going to be a quick one. Um, who do you got in this one? I'm going to differ from you. I'm going to go Jai Herbert. I think I think you kind of summed it up well. I think he's going to catch Kama Worthy, uh, you know, on the counter off of a big shot. I don't think it goes back to f- past the first either way, but I'm going to take Jai Herbert by knockout. All right, and that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We'll take a quick break, and we will be right back with round number three. All right, guys, one last thing that I really love about the All-Star app, and that is their news feed. I used to be the type of guy who got all of my sports news from social media. I could, you know, scroll through Twitter and figure out the couple of things that I needed to see while moving through all kinds of other crazy mess. If you're that person, stop doing that and start reading the All-Star app because they have a proprietary algorithm that only gives you the highest quality sports news, so you don't have to worry about all that other noise. And you can personalize the feed so that you only get the news that you really care about. And you don't have to see anybody's dinner plate or somebody complaining about, you know, what happened to them this weekend. 
So if this sounds like something that you'd be interested in, go download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the Apple Store, or by visiting theallstar.io. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jeff Molina versus Daniel Lacerda. So Molina won his debut over Kwai Lang Aori. That was back in April. Uh, he won that fight by decision. Lacerda, meanwhile, making his UFC debut. He's 11-1. He's got three straight finishes in his last fought in Shooto, Brazil. That fight was in July, so he has not been on the shelf all that long. For the newcomer here, a little bit of information on him. He seems to be a very violent finisher. If you've gotten to see any of his highlights, crazy head kicks, you know, brutal spinning back kicks, all kinds of nutty stuff. Do you think that that's something he can carry into fighting elite UFC flyweights, though? Or do you think that that's sort of one of the things that makes you low on a flyweight prospect? Uh, man, uh, I think it's going to be fun to see how it plays out. Because like you said, if, if you watch the tape on this dude, he is... He's a savage. He's just he's he's extremely active. He has big power. He is not afraid to go for the finishes. I, you know, I I think I think the thing here is is Jeff Molina one of those top bantamweights yet? I I don't think so. But he's solid. I really do think this is one of the sneaky uh, better fights of the weekend. Yeah, I, I will say if John Young Park and Gregory Rodriguez doesn't wind up being fight of the night, this one did. Um, and that that's my honest opinion, top to bottom. One of those two prelims is going to win fight of the night. I'm interested in this one in seeing what Jeff Molina's intentions are as far as wrestling. Um, because he he does wrestle pretty well, like like sneakily well. And I don't think it would make a lot of sense for him to strike with Lacerda here. I, I think Lacerda is, is a lot better of a striker and a lot faster of a sliker, striker, a lot more diverse of a striker. And I think if Jeff Molina goes in there being like, I'm the better striker, which I think a lot of times he thinks that, I, I think it's a mistake. So for me... I would pick Jeff Molina if I feel like he's going to wrestle. I would pick Lacerda if I feel like Molina's not going to wrestle. If that's how you're breaking it down, who are you taking in this one? I'm going to take Lacerda again. I think he's just all violence, all volume. And I do think, you know, we've seen Molina, we've seen him get taken down before. And Lacerda does have some potent submissions Uh, I just think he has more ways to win in this fight. I'm going to go Lacerda. Uh, I'm going to take him. I'm going to keep the train rolling. I'm going to take him in the first round. All right. Yeah, I'm going to take Lacerda as well. I'll say I take him by by KO or TKO in either the second or the third round because I'll take him later because I think Molina is tough as nails. He is. I just ultimately think he is going – it's going to be one of those TKOs where you're like, man, dude, how is this guy still standing? And then finally he might even finish him standing. Like he might just still be standing at the end of it and have have the TKO that way. But uh, yeah, I'm going to take Lacerda. That dude is fun violence. So if you've never seen him before, get ready for some excitement this weekend. And that brings us to our next fight, which might have a little bit less violence, and that's Lavia Souza versus Randa Marcos. Souza alternated wins and losses for her last four fights. She was knocked out by Amanda Lemos last time out. That was in March. Randa Marcos, meanwhile, has lost four straight fights. Her last loss was a DQ due to an illegal upkick against Luana Pinero, a fight where it looked like she was probably losing anyway. My question for you here, Marcos seems 100% dependent on out-grappling her opponents, and when she can't do it, it seems like she's out of options. What chance do you give her to be the dominant wrestler in a fight with Lavia Souza? Uh, not very much, because Souza, while she has alternated wins and losses, I'm still relatively high on her. Um, I was pretty high on her coming into the UFC. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I, I think I think 
Rita Marcos, very tough. She's like a good measuring stick, but she's one of those fighters that's it's, she's pretty good everywhere, but she's not great everywhere. I think Rita Marcos is very solid on the ground, but again, like Souza is just better on the ground. I think she's be- she's a judo black belt. She's a jiu-jitsu black belt. Um, she's got crisper striking. I just think at all facets, while these fighters may be similar, I just think Souza is better everywhere. Yeah, I 100% agree. While I really like Randa Marcos, I think, you know, the issues here with her, she's just going to be getting lit up too. And and I think Souza knows that it's wrestling or bust for Marcos. And that makes the wrestling so much harder for her to land because, like, that's all Souza's defending, right? Like, Souza barely has to even block her face. She can just keep her hands low and, and stuff the takedown. So, yeah, I, I'm going with Souza here. I don't actually think she finishes her because Marcos is so tough. I'll take her by decision. How about you? Yeah, I'm gonna go with the same. I, I don't, I don't think she gets Marcos out of there, but I think she really puts it on her for uh, the full three rounds. All right, and that brings us to our last fight, the fight which was announced very recently, and that is Mason the Dragon Jones versus David Onama. Jones came to the UFC, kind of a lot of fanfare, has not gotten the results he quite wanted. He's 0-1 in one no contest since coming to the UFC, with a loss to Mike Davis in a very close decision. In a no contest due to an accidental eye poke when he had been beating the hell out of Alan Patrick. So he's still looking for his first official win. Meanwhile, David Onama is coming to us by way of FAC. He is 8-0 in his career. He last fought, oh, two weeks ago. That's right, just two weeks ago in FAC 10 where he won by strikes in just two minutes. He is a super fun finisher. Again, another glory MMA and fitness guy. My question for you here is that with a guy who's so much fun to watch striking like David Onama, how much of a chance do you expect him to get that really fun distance striking off against a guy like Mason Jones? You know what? This is a really, honestly, it's a really interesting matchup because if you look at the tape on Onama, he is, like you said, he's a potent finisher, right? He's got all finishes in all eight of his fights. Um, Obviously, he's going up against Mason Jones, who has had a bit of a tough go about it in the UFC so far. But he did come in, Cage Warriors champ, with a lot of hype. Uh, Mason Jones, uh, he's built uh, very well. He has good grappling. Um, you know, the thing for Onama, too, is he's taken this fight on short notice, but he also fought two weeks ago. So you'd imagine his cardio wouldn't be as affected as if he, you know, he literally took the fight on two weeks notice with no camp, right? So... I think there's a lot to like in this fight. I just don't know how long Onama is going to be able to keep it on the feet with Mason Jones before he gets taken down and uh, likely swarmed. Yeah, and that's my problem here too. I I think when it's on the feet, it will be exciting. But with a guy who is so sure of his hands and pushes forward like that, it's only going to take a second for him to be in a clinch with Mason Jones for this fight to be over, in my opinion. Um, and, And that's no offense to David Onama, who I think is an excellent prospect And given just about any other type of opponent here, I may be picking David Onama on two weeks' notice. But I'm high on Mason Jones. I think basically what he's going to do here, wait until it's in the clinch. When it's in the clinch, he's going to take him down. I'm going to say he ground and pounds him to victory here. Picks up his first UFC win, gives Onama his first loss. And then we see Onama in a very fun fight in the near future. How about you? Yeah, I'm going Mason Jones as well. I think he he gets it done. I think he knows he needs to win this fight, so I think he gets it done impressively as well. But like you said, I think we'll see Onama uh, back relatively quickly in a uh, maybe a more manageable fight. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's going to do it for the end of our prelims. We gave you guys seven fights in just a little bit over 15 minutes. So we hope you learned something about these prelims because, to be honest... Whether or not there's a ton of name value on these prelims, there is a ton of weird style matchups that should make for absolutely fun fights. 
Um, and of course, I want to remind you guys that you can check out my co-host, Kurt Chase Patrick, on Twitter at KCPKO. And you can also check out his podcast wherever it is you download podcasts, as well as on Twitter at FixFightsPod. Kurt, thanks so much for the time, man. Always a pleasure, dude. I can't wait to do it again. 